0: Welcome to the Sense of Soul Podcast. We
1: are your hosts, Shannon and Mandy. Grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. Welcome. It is our pleasure to have with us today the international best-selling author, Shai Tabali chakra expert spiritual teacher authority in the field of the kundalini and the subtle body system he joins us from berlin where he runs a school for spiritual development and holds seminars training satsangs and retreats since 2000 he has been working with people from all over the world accompanying them on their spiritual path he has written over 20 books on spirituality and self-development including wake up world a bestseller in Israel and the Seven Wisdoms of Life, a winner of the US Best Books Award and the finalist for the Book of the Year Award. And all of his books hold the power to alter your perspective and guide you through a transformational journey. Thank you so very much for being with us.
2: Thank you, thank you. I'm delighted to be with you. I really apologize for for the tremendous delay <laughs> In the midst of, of the PhD research, uh, al- along with full time work, the combination is uh, problematic. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, that was COVID. So everything is delayed as well.
2: Yes, uh, that, yes.
1: I was given your book a long time ago, this book, The Seven Personality Types. I was given that by a friend a while back. I loved it so much, and I always recommend it to like my new students or anyone who wants to learn about the chakras because it's a great way to learn the chakras and to learn about other people as well
2: thank you so much that's really really encouraging to hear it's good to know that we will also be able to have the conversation uh, on the basis of uh, of your familiarity with the book
1: Yes, absolutely. Really? I
0: have to be honest with you. I had no idea what you looked like or how old you were, and it doesn't matter. But when I hopped on last night and was doing some more research on you, I saw that you were the same age as Shanna and I, and I was like, oh my God, this man has written 20 plus books and he's the same <laughs> age as us. What did you start writing books when you were like two? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh my yeah, gosh. I, I actually since, since I was uh, 18 yes wow. but that I had written before I embarked on a spiritual journey and started developing all these methods and systems so quite depressed <laughs> yes
1: <laughs> you had to get lost first to find yourself like most of us right exactly. okay good
2: exactly. well then I'm glad
1: you're just you're he's as normal as we are Mandy <laughs> <laughs>
0: so let's talk about that on sense of soul we've taken our pain and made it our purpose can we just start from like your childhood and your upbringing and then talk a little bit about that pain turning into your purpose
2: oh wow that's (laughs) that's a question (laughs) first of all this is this is a very profound point uh, turning pain into i sometimes call it turning pain into dharma turning pain into our teaching in our greatest pain, this is our greatest teaching. Eventually, when we become teachers, what we teach is our transformed pain, or transformed struggle, or transformed life theme. So yes, I, I would say that in my own case, it was a lot around uh, belonging, the sense of belonging or, or not belonging at all. And ever since I was a child, I had this kind of peculiar feeling of not being so much a part of the world, or society, or the culture I lived in, religion, everything. Were felt even the body felt uh, so so unfamiliar, almost foreign. I think I retreated to the world of uh, of books and book writing in a very early age. I remember myself when I was ten years old. I was uh, <laughs> I was writing frantically essays on the meaning of life while not even understanding what it was that i was writing then i became also a journalist in several newspapers but that sense of non-belonging i think a- a accompanied me for many years until the age of, of 21 when i felt that this kind of strangeness of foreignness needs to be resolved once and for all. And then somehow, you know how it is, somehow as spiritual books began to to reach me and there started my journey. Started in India with uh, uh, several spiritual teachers. And interestingly, or not surprisingly, I now teach the whole point that my teaching is about uh, the experience of belonging being a true part of the world, a true part of your body, uh, agreeing to work with the actual materials of your life. But also, of course, while retaining this sense of non-belonging in the sense that we are also spirit, essentially.
1: That is also kind of like what we discovered. It was like, we're looking and looking and looking for this more. And then when you get there, it's actually the less then in that less, it's a space where you can then connect to everything. So it, it, it's like one of those oxymorons. Mm-hmm. Less is nothing, nothing is more, you know, until you experience, do you really understand? But it is hard to explain in words.
0: Yeah, I, yes.
1: I, I agree.
2: Yes. yes, this is uh, actually a, a moment of truth, I think, because if there is a a psychological uh, part in us that wishes to escape the world, then we would, in a way, take advantage or exploit uh, this free part of our consciousness to only, uh, let's say, fortify uh, the wall that separates us from the world. And this is exactly, it's a very delicate point to encourage people to use this state of freedom of inherent uh, freedom of their consciousness to actually return and embrace the world. You see, because if you're free, then you're fearless. If you're free, you cannot be damaged. You cannot be ruined.
1: Right. So when I'm talking about this with, say, someone who has no idea, right? They're like, what the hell are you trying to say? I'm not getting it. One of the best ways I can actually help somebody see this is by trying to get them to understand that we are a multidimensional being. We are energy. We don't just, we're not just this meat suit. We have energy and energy is everything. And so it's one of the things that I'm excited to talk to you about, because this is something it seems like really lit a fire under you to figure out and put this into words for people to understand.
2: This sense of, of being a, a multidimensional being.
1: It's our energy body, our subtle body, are yes. the centers yes. that we have yes. that then connect us with everything else. Yeah. How did you become aware of that?
2: It had all started extremely uh, innocently and, uh, and without uh, any ability to name any of these experiences. Because it has started as a very powerful form of, uh, of spiritual awakening, actually, that uh, one that was, that was quite uncontrolled. I didn't understand. My first teacher wasn't uh, very collaborative in explaining to me what it is that was <laughs> happening. And that left me quite perplexed and even overwhelmed for, for several years. That was in my early 20s.
1: Wow, for years?
2: Yes. Yes. Okay. And and I, I certainly didn't know that what was happening uh, was a Kundalini awakening. Mm-hmm. And that uh, what what are all these movements in the head and movements in the, the spine and so on? I, yeah. I even ended up going to MRI examinations over and over again Me too. to make sure I
1: <laughs> have a cat scan. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I see. I see. Yes. And then the doctors always say, you have nothing. It's psychological. So th- then I was, I was blessed enough to come across uh, a real yogi, uh, an American, called uh, uh, Dr. Gabriel Cousins. And uh, Gabriel Cousins is, uh, is a kundalini expert. He had been actually initiated by uh, the yogi uh, Muktananda, Swami Muktananda who was the the student of uh, Bhagwan Nityananda. When I met him with all my, in in my completely overwhelmed, dumbfounded state, Mm -hmm. and I described to him this condition, he looked at me and he immediately knew everything, knew what was happening. And then uh, with him, he enabled me to understand, to give names to everything. Then I realized, because this is a tradition, the Nityananda tradition is their expertise is in Kundalini awakening, specifically. That's all they do. It's all about uh, energy transmissions and the the profound knowledge of the Kundalini. And these these actually uh, led me eventually to my own expertise, to my own life work that culminated in all these uh, chakra books and Kundalini books. And now I think that, that nothing that anyone would tell me about Kundalini symptoms that could shock me or, <laughs> or leave me uh, without the ability to at least give some reasonable answer or yeah. some reasonable advice. So that, that's good because, you know, this path is pretty confusing.
0: Yeah, Shannon and I mm-hmm. definitely felt confused and that is another reason we started Sense of Soul because we didn't want people to be alone in their awakening. You know, she, like she said, had an MRI. I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia and so was she, mm-hmm. we thought we were going crazy and we were so lucky to have each other. So mm-hmm. that's why we started Sense of Soul so that if there's someone else out there, we can be there for them. Can you explain a little bit in detail what a kundalini awakening is?
2: Sure. Well, I think it's pretty known that traditionally there is a sort of tremendous reservoir, tremendous, unbelievably tremendous reservoir of life force, that resides at the very base of not exactly the spine, but the base of a subtle spine that, that is traditionally called the sushumna or the central column. Now, this life force is usually ordinarily is, is minimally pumped up through the, the central channel and is spread throughout the subtle nervous system providing life force also to glands and to organs and to nerve plexuses. But mostly, the most important uh, element of this life force, which is uh, the spiritual consciousness, or our cosmic being remains dormant. Now what happens is, when we begin to even aspire to reach a uh, heightened states of consciousness, even in meditation, even uh, in a retreat, uh, to leave the world behind. Even if momentarily, what happens is that this life force is steered and sometimes some of it is released through the central channel. So whenever it is released through the, uh, through the central channel up all the way to the, to the higher energy centers, to the, we can call it uh, the nerve plexuses, the subtle nerve plexuses, which we call chakras, what happens is that we begin to experience uh, a bliss and, uh, and states of uh, like unity consciousness, uh, a dramatic shifts of our identity, uh, a departure from the personal sense of self to, to, a, to a cosmic one and so on and so on. Sometimes this goes wrong. What happens is that if you imagine it like a trunk of a tree that has many branches, sometimes the energy goes up but then it, then it begins to diverge. It begins to move to the secondary channels and this is where we begin to experience what we call Kundalini crisis. Oh, You see, so, so a spiritual teacher with an expert in Kundalini's role is to guide or re-guide the kundalini through the central channel. Because if it reaches all the way to to the top of the head, there is nothing can go wrong. It's only health and ecstasy and unity and uh, and liberation.
1: Wow, that is beautiful. You said that so good. Thank you so much. (laughs) I don't know if you remember, Mandy but I remember where I was, I was taking my kid to preschool. Mandy and I had a list full of symptoms we were doing at the same time, which made us even more feel crazy. I'm like, what, why are, why are you feeling what I'm feeling? And then I said, I'm looking for the symptoms. I'm trying to self-diagnose us, you know, symptom checker, checker on md.com or whatever. I'm trying to you know <laughs> self-diagnose us. I was going to figure it out, but I'm like, shoot, I keep on seeing seeing all of our symptoms under some kind of kundalani or kundalini, I didn't even know how to say the word, (laughs) and I was like, I don't know what that is, but sure does seem like we have a lot of those symptoms too, other people have said it on like Mm -hmm. this blog, I don't even know where I found it, but it seemed that other people were searching for answers too, like what am I experiencing all of a sudden, am I dying, literally at some point I thought for sure I have a disease, a cancer, autoimmune disease is what it really felt like my body was attacking itself in some way. So once you're able to connect, it is this energy, you know, rising through me, are you able then to embrace that and do the symptoms ease a little bit or is that just part of it?
2: I would say that if we become able to control the, this Kundalini, because the, the whole the purpose of, of the spiritual journey, whether we are conscious of it or unconscious of it, uh, is to be able to become masters of Kundalini. Because you see at the beginning, this is like, it's like riding a tiger. It's so wild Ooh. and untamed. And you need to learn how to guide it consciously, to know what is actually happening, to understand what happens when it reaches this particular chakra and where are the knots because there are certain certain areas and when kundalini reaches these areas it begins to push very strongly forward or upward and uh, and we experience pain and uh, and all kinds of disorders so in my experience the more you understand the process and the more you are equipped with the right techniques that are not, not techniques that push it very strongly because Kundalini is not something to push strongly, to persuade. If we begin to force it to, to shoot upward, we, actually, we can actually create a, a severe imbalance. Again, this kind of branching out of the energy. There are techniques. You see, what, what, what is happening nowadays is that we are experiencing it so naively without any traditional context. We don't have spiritual masters. We we don't submit ourselves to culture, to traditional context. I I didn't do that. And I don't feel that that I could fit into a specific traditional context. But at least we need to derive from these uh, traditions, the knowledge and some of the basic techniques to be able to master this energy.
0: I think everyone should know that. I think it's so fascinating how everyone can have a Kundalini awakening in totally different ways. So for me, it came through a near-death experience.
2: Near-death experience. Yes. Now I want to interview you. (laughs) Okay,
0: someday you can. But why is it that some people have this and some people don't?
2: Oh, that's, that's a big mystery. It's, it's actually similar to asking why do people become awakened and other people de- devote their entire life to meditation and, uh, and are still sometimes, uh, unfortunately, stuck in, in the same patterns, unable to break, to make yeah. any significant breakthrough. Well, here is again, it, this is a big mystery. I actually believe it does have something to do with past lives with the fact that some of us already had experiences, perhaps in traditional uh, uh, context, for instance. And then when we uh, come to this lifetime, we just need to be reminded. So, yeah. but, but then when we are reminded it is, it is without any context. So, so we don't understand so much what is happening, but everything is happening so fast Yes and it feels more like memory resurfacing than than an actual learning. Oh, I
1: experienced that. I know what you're saying and I'm like, how is this happening? But it is. Why is this coming to me? Why is this happening? Why is this available to me? Why why am I manifesting? But now I'm just like, okay, thank you. Thank you sugar daddy, as some people say. Thank you universe. <laughs> You're, you're just so amazing. I could seriously, I want to talk to you every day of my life. I just, I'm like, I'm sitting here, everything that's coming out your mouth, is hitting my soul so very hard. You know, sometimes I I get a little sick of talking about the chakras so much because it's it's what I do for a living, but our (laughs) listeners don't get a lot of it daily, you know, teaching it. And so I sound repetitive. I think is what I don't like so much, but our listeners don't get a lot of this. I look at the chakras as a, almost like timeline of your life.
2: Mm. what do you mean by by the timeline of your life Can so you explain so i that?
1: think of this development almost like you talked about the tree you know the roots and the and and so mm. you know you come into this life right and your connection and boy did that whole root thing get me i had no <laughs> idea that was coming but as you're going through your own energy system your own almost like your evolution of your soul And like you said, if I think that the Kundalini energy is rising and it stops on those blocks or those nudges and having you bring awareness to that space, I mean, it could be past life stuff. It could be inner child, you know, something happened to you when you were younger, but, but it's almost like this is a guide for you to use to heal not just this body not just this energy and this life but your soul's evolution do you agree
2: yes definitely definitely i i i, I consider chakras to be our inner roadmap yes roadmap uh, uh, for uh, for both our uh, psychological development uh, uh, a complete psychological development complete uh, emotional maturation and uh, and the complete uh, uh, spiritual transformation but it also I, I would say that that the chakras uh, uh, contain what i call the the seven lessons of life the seven lessons uh, uh, of the school of life you see? Yeah. so yeah, so in in a way, in a way we, we need to be good students and to study all these lessons one after another, but also simultaneously, because it's much more <laughs> complicated than that. <laughs> yeah. uh, we cannot predict uh, uh, what, uh, what what lesson should um, uh, should appear or should be uh, uh, responded to uh, at at each point of our development. Uh, so, so then, if we study, if we if we study all of these uh, lessons very thoroughly without uh, without avoiding, we eventually become graduates of the school of life. But this, but this, this is, so So in this sense, I, I treat chakras as, as sort of seven teachers or seven masters.
0: Yeah. Oh, wow. I love it. Thank you. Yes. So before we jump into the chakra personality system, I have a question yes. for you. Okay. How did this system, in this information that you've lived your whole life dedicating to this system you built, how did it come to you? Was it a download? Was it you getting out a piece of paper and figuring it out with your ego and your mind? Was it something from above that came to you in a dream? How did this information come to you?
2: well some methods they actually come in, in a dream for instance but uh, but this specific one i i would say that that it came it was just just as you said it was, it was downloaded just like that because uh, i started i, I started entering delving into into the chakra system this is where i wrote uh, the first book uh, the seven uh, uh, wisdoms of life which is more uh, more of an an introduction to to the lessons, to the the seven lessons. But then what happened was that uh, uh, in in a way that was downloading and observation, observation of people and of myself, I came to realize that the chakras have a personal or individual aspect that actually never been explored not profoundly for sure. This reality was verified again and again and again through people that I know. And then uh, what was funny was that I started after diagnosing or analyzing people in this way, I started realizing that people were actually simply playing out this pattern. (laughs) So they're, they're being their chakra personality type in such a convincing way <laughs> yeah, in predictable way. I, I finally had no doubt that this was actually our reality, our human reality.
1: And you know, just for our listeners, the seven main chakras go up and down. That Shishuma, and the Shishuma is almost like a hollow reed where your energy is going to flow on a good day
2: <laughs> and your <laughs> chakras
1: will spin yeah. and and transmute energy out to exactly the amount it's supposed to on a good day you know i have found that the energy yes. of the heart is that is the one energy that is so big and so powerful that can connect to everybody else
2: well i I would first ask you uh, whether you identify yourself as a heart chakra personality type. I
1: thought I was. And here's uh-huh. the, here's the great thing about your book is because I assumed one hundred percent that's uh-huh. mine. But guess what? I was actually Yogi. I was actually the crown chakra with okay. heart as my second.
2: Oh, that's that's wonderful. Wow. Wow, okay, so that's that's highly spiritual. That's also very balancing to have the heart as your second, because that means that uh, that, that you forever retain a bridge, uh, keep a bridge that, that connects you to the world. So that's, uh, that's that's beautiful.
1: Oh, yeah, I love what you like, just said. Mandy's actually was heart and her main one was uh, throat. That's and, and that is Mandy. Mandy has taught me so much about being vulnerable.
2: I see, I don't yeah.
0: shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I need to listen more. <laughs> Your book was so fun, so that's what was so great about it was that Shanna had our coffee, and we were sitting in her house, and we were going through the book and taking the little test, and we were giggling and we were laughing, and we felt like we were part of the book. Like, it was a really fun activity for her and I to do. I mean, it was so fun to do this. This was years ago when we did it.
1: Mm. Was really interesting is that my partner, his strength was on the completely other end of the spectrum. He was root.
2: Really? And I
1: thought, how <laughs> interesting, how interesting. That's my struggle. That's always been my struggle. Not anymore. Believe me, after years, I'm good there. But that's interesting how we attract people in our lives possibly where to balance us. Did you, do you find that to be true?
2: Definitely, definitely. Where well, there are also some, some uh, combinations that are better than others uh, because otherwise, uh, uh, because if, if there are not, uh, there are too contradictory, there, uh, there, there can be easily a conflict or, or a tremendous misunderstanding. Yes. But, uh, but it is, of course, this is also related to, to our secondary types because they, they can balance our type uh, to, to a degree that, that we would be able to eventually engage with somebody who belongs to, uh, to a, a, a very different or, or even opposing uh, chakra type. But, uh, but yes, we do uh, come together, also as friends, by the way, not just as uh, or colleagues, uh, in, in ways that, that balance or, or, or help us uh, enjoy the other's expertise. And I'm not talking about ex- professional expertise, but expertise in life. You see a certain, certain skills, certain inclinations that, uh, that we lack. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, we also find ourselves attracted to people who share, to a certain degree, our shadow or our challenge.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes. Because because
2: yes. chakra types they also have their shadow. They're, they're they're more difficult learning, and they're and and also they're more uh, uh, those things that that they would not uh, like to admit that they would mm-hmm. like to suppress or to, to look away from.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so let's break it down for our listeners. Yes. Let's talk Let's talk about those seven, if you could just run through the seven different personality chakra types.
2: First of all, we should remember that, uh, that the principle is that, uh, is that each individual has a sort of a, a soul print, uh, which is the, a, a major a chakra, that guides or gives shape to his or her personality. So there is this uh, major chakra and this major chakra determines the way we perceive the world, the way we interpret the world, the way we uh, we determine our values, What what is uh, most important to us, what is not important to us at all. And also our greatest uh, challenge or our greatest friction with life is determined by our, major chakra type. Then there there is a secondary chakra type, which determines the way of our expression in the world, how we are going to fulfill our capacities, what what is the the way we are going to manifest to use as our main form of fulfillment in the world. And then there is also a a supportive chakra type, which which is a very powerful skill. Now, this doesn't exclude the, the fact that, that all of us can have a, a varying degrees of, of other strong chakras. Because sometimes people get almost insulted and then they say, why can't I be all the seven chakras? Why should I put myself in a small box? <laughs> but in the real world, we cannot be all of these personality types, because we must manifest or embody a certain, certain aspects more than others, yeah. even if we are completely open-minded and completely broad in our perception. So even great spiritual teachers, they have their major chakra type. Now that we understand the principle, we can briefly explore the personality types. And and please stop me for questions if you want. No, nope. uh, I use it to my ears. You're,
1: you're great. <laughs> I, I, I'm learning a
2: lot. Okay. So first, the root chakra type personalities, that's uh, what I call the builders. And the builders, they constitute uh, uh, the majority or estimate them as 40% of the world population just for fun. It's not an actual statistic. And they are Obviously, the most grounded personalities, they are routine lovers. They love to indulge in details. And they take pride in their understanding of of details and in their ability to diligently, but very slowly (laughs) and very patiently work through life's details and uh, build uh, life structures. So... They are not very humorous beings.
0: (laughs) Okay, can you give us an an example of someone that all of our listeners will know that is a builder?
2: (laughs) Oh my God. First name that comes to mind is Confucius, the the Chinese master.
0: Yes. Okay.
2: Because it it was all about teaching uh, morality and conduct and respect. And you you mentioned before uh, ancestry respect to to the past and to tradition, the feeling of of building very slowly on the solid foundations of the past. You see, so they love territory, they love family units, they uh, love belonging to great traditions, and they feel very confident when they rely or draw on these sources. So... I think this is enough for for one, right? (laughs) Yeah. So then there is the sacral chakra personality type, which I call the artist. The artist is perhaps the exact opposite. Uh, It is a completely lighthearted, actually almost careless, irresponsible, fun-loving, pleasure-spontaneous, uncommitted uh, type. And they have a very poetic soul. They, they see, uh, they are capable of perceiving life's beauty mm-hmm. in, ex, in an extraordinary way. And that's why many of, of, of the most famous poets or singers belong to this type. So it's like a gypsy
0: soul.
2: You can say that, yes, because mm-hmm. they like to, to, to wander the earth without being a part of anything. So even if they create a family or they uh, partner with somebody, they still want to feel their independence, that they cannot be put into any kind of what they consider to be a prison, Mm -hmm. you see, (laughs) because they want to be like butterflies. So they're very enjoyable and very artistic and humorous. So that's the sacral chakra type. Of course, this is like brief history of everything. Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. The, <laughs> the listeners will have to read. It is, it is quite depth and, and amazing. Consider this
0: the teaser.
2: <laughs> yes. Uh, even that is fun. Because I think through that, we, we get a, a feeling of the rainbow of mm-hmm. human society. I think that's why the yes. chakra personality type system is such a, a great key to tolerance and to... Yeah our ability to embrace everyone including people we harshly criticize for not being like us
1: right exactly has nothing to do with race or color or sex or anything it's all
2: energy so the third
1: chakra type
2: yes is uh, what i call uh, uh, the achievers Uh and the achievers i define them as uh, as marathon runners with their mind fixed on certain mountain peaks. They always want to achieve something. Everything is interpreted in their mind, the language of achievement, victory, and the, this makes them extremely powerful individuals. They have so much energy, but their energy is undirected. It's mm-hmm. overflowing. Right. The achievers, they are like arrows. They are so targeted in the direction of their goals, their destinations. They don't manage very well uh, with their families and with relationships because they're always quite busy. And sometimes they become workaholics, but their their ability to overcome and to demonstrate uh, how far a human can go is actually quite extraordinary. So then there is the heart archetype, which I call the caretakers. And the heart archetypes, their greatest value in life, I think we could guess is love. They, they experience that love is, is why we are, we are here. It's, the, it's what we're meant to express. And actually because of their near addiction to love, to so the experience of love and sharing, they very often uh, develop a sort of codependency or simply dependency, mm-hmm. and, uh, and they become highly emotional and hypersensitive, and they all the time want to, to know that they are loved.
1: I mean, you literally just described me. I don't know how this, you know. <laughs> I thought 100% <laughs> this was me. It was equal. My, my totals were equal, but when I read the yogi, I was like, oh, that's
2: definitely more me. There is a difference between when, when we identify our major chakra type, we feel that it is a very high percentage of uh, closeness to our own innermost experience of life and, our, and of ourselves. And But our second chakra type also feels very close. So sometimes there is some competition that takes Sometime until our self-identification stabilizes.
0: Well, Mm -hmm. and I think Shanna, the yogi part of you was bottled up in your upbringing and now it's been unleashed.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, I think most of my issues were in the heart chakra, but they were earthly things or, you know, things I was working on. You're right. It's amazing. This book actually really helps you figure this out. So
2: what is the next one, the fifth chakra, speakers? Uh, Yes, or the educators. All of these are synonyms. They are the influencers or the the speakers. The Martin Luther Kings? Oh, yes, definitely. I have a dream. They are dreamers, visionaries, and they see very far. It's as if their gaze is turned to the far horizons of human society and the future. They are future-oriented. They always think of what is possible, what is the potential, how humanity could be and how their life could be. They have this kind of intuition that guides them toward fulfillment of great visions. Now, sometimes visions are too (laughs) broad or too ambitious and they get caught in their own visions because they experience a painful gap between what is and what could be. And that would be a bit confusing because they really experience themselves as if in this vision, as if it has already happened. So they are very strong influencers and their greatest joy in life is when they know that they have affected someone's life or some people's lives dramatically. They know how to spread ideas and how to express them in ways that many people can understand.
1: Is that one of yours?
2: That's my second my secondary. Okay. I can see that being your secondary for sure.
1: It sounds a yes. lot like actually the next one in some way, the third eye.
2: Yes, the third eye is definitely what, uh, what I identify myself with the most. That's my 100%.
1: That's what I see for you. Yeah, for sure. So explain that, how you think you are.
2: Okay. So ever since I was a child, I was an observer. An observer, mm-hmm which means that I, we said that I think at the beginning of the talk that I'd always felt a sort of a, of a sense of non-belonging, like I couldn't be a part of the actual human experience or the, a part of the body. Now, this is inherent in the experience of third eye a chakra type. Uh, this is because they are naturally observers. They look and they aspire to understand. But this uh, actually traps them in a sort of experience of scientists, as if they've become the examiners of their own experience. So there is always some kind of a gap between them and the experience of life. They tend to analyze. Uh, this is also their greatest gift, because what they give to humanity is orderly thought and very clear patterns that, that make people analyze their own experience and follow these patterns. Uh, For instance, you you think of Freud, Sigmund Freud, Einstein. Carl Jung. Oh, yes, definitely, definitely. All those who who come up with very original systems. Yeah. Pro chakra type, they know how to spread them, how to interpret them and translate them and give them the right language. But, But six chakra type, they usually come from the world of the academic world, they sit with books all day long <laughs> and spend hours in thinking alone.
0: That's definitely my
2: son. Do oh, yeah. you
0: find that these are genetic traits? Like my husband's like that, and my son uh-huh. is like that. Do you find that you see these personality chakra types through ancestral lineages?
2: Well, I haven't noticed that. That's that's an interesting thought that I need okay, to Okay, well, examine.
0: I'll do that research for you. Shanna and I will do that research for you. <laughs> we'll, start, we'll, we'll start observing that. The we'll only send it, is we're not third eye. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll send it to you and then you write the book on it. Okay, so okay. we'll do the research. We'll send the info to you. You write the book. All right, deal. <laughs> All right, let's talk
2: deal. about the
1: yogis.
2: Yes, yogis are the crown chakra type. The uppermost point of the entire chakra system they are also uh, the furthest from, from the human experience, or from the root chakra, which means that they are, they are so airy, so ungrounded, because in a way they are the, the closest to spirit. You see, uh, the, the sixth chakra type, they are already closer to spirit in the sense that they are closer to, to mental thought forms, to, to ideas. And the throat chakra type, they are closer to visions. So there is a sort of gradation of airiness. So with the crown chakra type, they have always the feeling that they do not belong to the world because they actually belong to spirit. That for some reason, they find themselves in a world of appearance, in a world of forms, but they feel an incessant longing to return somewhere to to, uh, retire from life and be in the realms of the spirit. So when they uh, live in uh, the right traditional uh, background or when they are supported, they would probably find themselves going to ashrams or to monasteries or devoting themselves to some kind of spiritual journey.
1: Or to your closet in your house if that's all you got because you have family. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> always
0: told Shannon since I've known, um, Shanna and I have been best friends since we were 15 and I always told 15. her. Yeah, I Wonderful. always told her that I felt like
1: she was
2: a Mother Teresa. <laughs> Mother Teresa is a good combination of her heart and, the, and crown. Yes, yes.
1: Wow, that is strange. Funny because when I first discovered my inner world, I didn't want to come out. I was just fine there and desired to stay there as much as I could. I don't think there has been very many days since I started my journey in meditation that I haven't meditated in a day. I mean, if I don't, I would freak out. (laughs) I don't want to be here all day. And, you know, and then I think back to when I was a child. How many times people were like, "You're such an airhead. You're in your head. You know, you're spacey. You're a space cadet. Stuff like that." It's actually yeah. more difficult for me to be mindful
2: <laughs>
1: than it is for me to meditate.
2: To, to me, uh, it makes a lot of sense because uh, because that's that's the type, you see. So, and that's natural. I think for the crown chakra type, uh, in my experience, they experience the greatest relief. When they are finally able to identify themselves as as such, you see, because they are the ones who wander the earth, the least consciousness of their type or their inclination, because it becomes so heavily suppressed. This is probably the the most judged uh, inclination in society. You see, where are you?
1: And you yes. know what else I struggled with during my journey is that I used to say, who needs a body? I don't need a body. I, I'm a soul. <laughs> I don't need a body. I don't need an earth. I don't need to be grounded, grounded. I don't want to be grounded. I don't need that grounding hard stuff. I don't need it. I'm a soul. And I didn't want to connect with my body. I forced myself to, I had to train myself to actually do that because you can't in this human three-dimensional life live. In your seventh chakra, especially not with four children and family, (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't work.
0: I have a question: Have you found that there's a certain chakra personality type that has more addiction issues than others?
2: Oh, definitely. The ones that have this inclination the most, but for very different reasons. Uh, uh, so the sacral chakra personality type and the solar plexus chakra personality type. So the artist and the achiever and, the, and for, for very different reasons. The sacral chakra type is because they like the experience of pleasure and the experience of climax or experiencing the greatest pleasure or the greatest bliss possible that they want to induce these states, you see? Euphoria. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yes, to, to feel the happiest. And then right. there is the solar plexus chakra type, and they are inclined toward addictions because of the intense workaholic lifestyle that makes them look for distractions, but also because sometimes it's, it's simply another form of conquest for them. You see? It's obsession. Obsession can easily be transformed into addiction.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So with empaths go under the caretakers, correct? Definitely. How does understanding the seven personality chakra types help you and guide you in life?
2: A lot. First and foremost is self-acceptance. This is, I think, probably the most important element because... When we understand that our patterns, both our excesses and our inclinations, they, they have a deeper origin, a deeper meaning, that, that this actually means that we have a role in the world and that it is a positive role. It, it is a sort of embodiment that is essential for everyone else because there are gifts in it. This is, I think, such a great relief. It's the feeling of belonging to yourself. of of being able to feel comfortable in your own structure, in your own pattern. And and this also helps you to shield yourself from all the environmental demands and pressures that tell you you should be like us, basically. This is is what every chakra personality type tells the other. So we hear so much uh, how we should be And then we internalize this should be, and it becomes the problem of non-self-acceptance, you see? Non-self-acceptance is is always caused by an an internalization of social voices. So we can actually uproot these expectations or internal voices by knowing with confidence and with joy who and what we are. This doesn't mean that you shouldn't change. This doesn't mean that you shouldn't uh, develop or that you shouldn't remove or balance some excesses of your personality type. But only if they are damaging.
1: Right. You see? Only if
2: they're really self-destructive. But otherwise, we can even uh, embrace with with joy our so-called imbalances or excesses. You see, yeah. for, for instance, you knowing that you need meditation and sometimes you don't feel like being a part of this world and that's healthy. That's how the divine, the universe has shaped you. And that's a form of divine will to right. be you.
1: Until my hips and my legs start aching and then I'm like, oh, okay, fine, root chakra. I'll give you some energy <laughs> today. <laughs> And then I'm going back <laughs> into my inner world, but you yeah. do. And that's what will happen. Your body will tell you in through pain or whatever that you need balance. And so just that discernment and always listening to your physical body for those messages of your mind, body, and soul, all working together, always mm. just listening and paying attention, being that just observer. And what is it telling you? Where do you need balance? Where do you need attention?
2: Exactly.
1: you've been working on another book
2: yes book uh, titled seven day chakras
1: i can't wait for the new book because the way you explain it is fun and easy to understand Uh, yeah i'm just i'm very grateful for you
0: and now it's time for break that shit down
2: i'm sorry (laughs) break that
1: shit down (laughs) And okay. so we, uh, <laughs> we ask our guest, leave our listeners with something that's important to you right now in the world. Anything that you would want to put
2: out there. What I can say about chakras, a small advice is not to feel that this is theoretical or external uh, system. Chakras are not are not concepts, are not a concept and Therefore, my advice is that when you experience some emotional challenge in your life, some confusion, some conflict, develop the habit of sitting for a moment, closing your eyes and ask yourself, where do I experience this in the body? You see, because chakras are our real subconscious. They are the subconscious of our body and of our mind. And therefore, when we begin to uh, be able to detect, to locate the area of, of our emotional challenge, we begin to learn to listen to our chakras directly, not through books. For th- this is what I call becoming a chakra whisperer. It's our ability to then relate the knowledge that we acquire from the books to our direct experience. And, and this is actually a very educational. You, you learn so much through this practice because you also begin to realize that what you intellectually think that this particular challenge actually belongs to the heart chakra. But then you listen to it more deeply and you realize that it's your root chakra speaking. God,
1: I have experienced mm. that exact same thing.
2: Aha. huh Uh-huh. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay,
0: I have one more hard question for you. I'm going to tie it back <laughs> to the very beginning. Okay. You said at the beginning that you were on a search to figure out where you belonged. After all of these years, where do you belong?
2: Well, most deeply in the deepest sense, I belong to everything, absolutely everything. I wouldn't say that, that there is one home for me, you see? The greatest liberation is where, when you feel that home is everywhere, that wherever you look, you find home. You cannot get lost. And that's also where the division between the spiritual world and the material world uh, dissolves, because you, you realize that, that it doesn't matter where you are right now. Right oh now, you can gosh. be in a physical body, human body, or in a spiritual state, but it's everywhere home.
1: I love that. You are definitely worth the wait. And I just, I feel so very (laughs) blessed. I absolutely adore you. I want our listeners to find you, follow you. So where can they go to find and listen to you more?
2: Well, there's an extremely vibrant uh, YouTube channel. There's always new uploads, videos. Uh, Some of them are very long. Some of them are very short. So, So that I think the most immediate link. There is also Facebook page, but I would send everyone to the cube channel.
0: (laughs) I love your videos and I loved how you break down the chakras. I've loved your videos. Thank you Mm -hmm. for all of those. They're very well done, very informative, very clear, tangible information. So I appreciate those videos. You have been amazing.
2: Great delight.
0: Okay. One more time, tell our listeners the name of your new book that's coming out.
2: Seven Day Chakras.
1: Amazing, Mandy and I made. It's called the Seven Seven Seven. It's seven chakras in seven days, seven meditations. You know, only seven minutes, and it's twenty-seven dollars and seventy-seven cents. It's probably one of our most popular courses that we sell online because Mm. I think people are looking to understand more about themselves, more about their energy. Yes, yes. It's such a pleasure to meet you. You're such an amazing teacher.
2: Thank you so much. I can't describe uh, what uh, joy it has been to get to know uh, both of you. You are, first of all, a, a remarkable pair. I can feel the, the, your, the way your energies are intermixed, uh, blended in, a, in such a creative, constructive way. That's uh, really touching, actually. And aside from that, each of you is a very precious being and i really appreciate the knowledge the struggle the revelation that that you have accumulated in this lifetime it is felt in every sentence and in every expression so oh, thank you for thank
1: that you. i appreciate that thank very you very good
2: thank All you right. thank Bye you bye-bye. goodbye <laughs>